hands together. That's, that's incredible. Man, that's the energy of God. That's, uh, Mark Batterson calls that sweat equity. Wow. <laughs> Literally, no pun intended, but uh, what a great day. Thanks, Mark, for doing that. Is that from your new toy? I want to thank your mom and dad. Thanks for giving them that for graduation. That is so cool. Okay. Well, now we've got all that out of the way. Let's jump into God's Word. We want to welcome you this morning, starting a brand new series today called Four Letter Words. And some of you need to go ahead and let your kids go now. Would you all please take all the children out of the room? No, I'm not going to cuss or say anything ugly. I don't say those things. I quit that over 32 years ago when I met Jesus. He delivered me that night. He really did. Praise God. I wish I got delivered as much from other things as I did that. But I'm not going to say four letter words, or at least not the kind you were hoping for. I'm going to say four letter words from Scripture. I've been thinking about this, and it was going to be a three week, four week, five week. Now it's an eight week series. <laughs> because, uh, and we're going to have some things interspersed. Mark's got Student Sunday coming up in August, and it's going to be a lot of fun. But I just want to, I was looking at scripture and I started looking at just four letter words. And I said, well, God, then I want to do a thematic, biblical, topical study of these words. So these four letter words is what we're going to cover. And I won't tell you what they all are right now, but today the word is envy, E-N-V-Y. And we all have to deal with this at some time or another, maybe a lot, maybe every day in our life. And I've started to use another four letter word, but I didn't know if I could use it. G-O-L-F. I mean, you know, it's the only one I could think of. Golf. Now, I don't play golf, but our illustrious worship leader, I understand he'd rather play golf than eat. Is that right, Mom? I mean, he plays golf. I heard he's pretty good at it, too. And, somebody, and I don't think that's a four-letter word, but we could come up with four-letter words that are funny or whatever. But we want to look at the word envy from a biblical standpoint. God, what do you have to say about envy? And as I did um, a pretty exhaustive study on that this week, I, I didn't realize how much God talked about. Oh, I've read the New Testament a number of times, and, and, and I always see the word envy. But when I started just looking, envy, envious, envy, envy, it was all through the Scriptures, Old and New Testament. So we're going to look there together. There's a passage across the top of your worship guide. I want you to look with me. It's from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 4, and he says these words. And I saw that all labor and all achievement spring from man's envy of his neighbor. This too is meaningless. A mirror or a chasing after the wind. The wisest man, Solomon, it's one of the things I'm doing. I'm read, I read the Proverbs every day along with other Holy Scripture. And that's the thing about this man that had wisdom and pursued God, and God gave him wisdom. He came to the end of it and says, man, this is just utterly meaningless. This is futile. And this is what he says. He says, man, to envy my neighbor's possessions or achievements, that's not God's will. So then I thought, okay, what do we need to do? I need to look at some definitions of envy. And these aren't necessarily going to come up. I think there's one in your notes. But I want you to listen and to try to take it in and go if you can go, I understand that. Or I can apply that. Or I know I need to deal with it. Let's listen to some. Envy, a desire for another's gifts, possessions, attributes, traits, their position, or achievements. It's closely associated with jealousy. I would say this. It is to begrudge another person. It is to begrudge their, their possessions, their talents. Even when I was reading scripture in Exodus chapter 20, what do we find in Exodus 20? This is participatory. Tell me what Exodus 20 is. Ten commandments. The tenth commandment deals with this topic. Do not, he doesn't say envy, he says do not covet your neighbor's wife and he goes on to, or her oxen and all, I mean like, I know y'all been like, man, I've been coveting somebody's ox, man, all the way to church today. And there's one guy almost called his name out, but I embarrassed him, so I won't. But he might, he might say, I coveted somebody's ox. But the bottom line is we, or you're like, well, I coveted their dog. Or, or here, here's one. 
Does anybody besides me know when somebody gets a new car? I mean, do you just know? I mean, they get a new car and they bring it home. And you see it sitting on the driveway or a new boat or something. You just go, oh, man, I would look so good in that. Does anybody ever have that thought besides me? I'm going to tell you, I'm not even recovering, don't even want to be. I love convertibles. And, and, when, and when Hannah gets through with university and we get through with our beyond-the-walls commitment, I'm just going to and tell you, I'm not having a midlife crisis. I love Jesus. I love Donna more today than I did 31 years ago when she said yes. I want to get another convertible. And God's people said, <laughs> no, you're not supposed to laugh. You're supposed to say amen. And then I'm going to play it to her and go, baby, the church affirmed God's will for me. I'll take you riding in it, and then all the church said, amen. okay, we're getting better, okay. And if I said, I'd let you buy it, you're like, amen, pastor. Like, well, let's take another offering. No, no, no. This is about God's glory, about his church. But anyway, let's get back. But some of you are like, well, and you know, this is what's so funny. People that have never had a convertible don't know, because I always wanted one. I finally got this old convertible, and then the transmission fell out. But, but I drove this, it, it was just getting there. And uh, and I remember people go, well, you're not going to like it. And you can ask Donna, this is the gospel. I liked it as much the day I got rid of it as I did the day I bought it. You know, when you have hair like mine, you just don't mess it up when you ride, you know? <laughs> there, Dan Davis, there are benefits to not having a lot of hair, aren't they? And, and did you know Bob Wyrick has now joined the club? I mean, it's just an amazing thing. It's sweeping our church. Okay, let's get on task. Vines, Bible Dictionary says this is what it is. Envy is a desire for another's gifts. Uh, I think I just said that. No, it's a feeling of displeasure produced by witnessing or hearing of the advantage of prosperity of another person. You know, I've been, I love to pray for churches across our city and across the, the nation. I've made that a holy habit for a lot of years. And I really gave, uh, I, I go through this list on Sunday mornings where I pray for churches but this morning I had great joy in my soul as I rode by Christ XP and they weren't there yet but I was thinking what an awesome thing for them to move into their complex and I just rejoice in their goodness you know I wonder if people will ride by here at the end of August and give thanks it's a buzz people know we're building they're excited about it and I hope we are and I hope it'll help us foster environments for spiritual growth and development and I hope people will come but anyway it's like you know I hope we rejoice when other people prosper when you know here's the deal when somebody gets the promotion at work we shouldn't complain we should give thanks and god's body said when somebody gets married we should give thanks when somebody has a baby and i understand this i've walked through this too many times in our body and don and i didn't experience it but we have in this fellowship and we love our people and when somebody can't have a baby and somebody else all they do is walk by the water fountain and they just keep having kids it's a little bit hard you know what i'm saying and God just says, hey, man, I just want you to rejoice in their time. And, and somebody passes the test or somebody gets a good job or somebody does something. Man, we need to rejoice, church. We need to celebrate the accomplishments of one another. The church, we need to celebrate when the body of Christ grows and expands. But, oh, man, we're competitive. Man, your water slide's bigger than mine, and your playground's bigger, and your parking lot's this, and your steeple's higher, and your organ. We don't even have an organ. Hey, you do this and that. You know, Whatever just rejoice this is so practical we're like well i'm just going to envy because i want what they have because i want it craig rochelle a great teacher i use him in one prayer last summer he spoke to us he's written a lot of books he i like his definition you might write this down if you can it's resent it's resenting god's goodness in the life of others it's resenting the god's goodness in the life of others while ignoring god's goodness in our own lives 
Wow. When, when, I, when I saw this and studied, I went, resenting God's goodness in the lives of others, but I ignore, I choose not to look within, I choose not to look around me and see how God has blessed me. Right now, my heart is just so proud of you as a church, and I'm so thankful for our facility and for the campus and what God's doing. And yesterday, so many of you that labored to make it uh, more than it is, and, and as we move that way, and I'm rejoicing, but I want to rejoice just as much about somebody down the road. And see, here's what pastors do. A lot of times they go, oh, I'll rejoice with somebody in another city as long as they don't compete with me. Well, man, it's time for the body of Christ to be the body of Christ, right, church? So working, here's a working definition. Hey, we want to give a curse word to them, asking God to bring them harm if they get something good. Well, you know, in the garden, it all kind of started there back, back with Adam and Eve, and, and you know, mindset gets a little scary from there, but somehow we, if we're not careful, we can get in a constant state of unhappiness, and, and that doesn't honor the Lord. So the root cause of envy is an uncontrolled desire for possessions and material gain. You see, the Holy Spirit, last time I checked, when I studied and preached on the, uh, the gifts, uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, one was self-control. And when the Holy Spirit comes to invade, when the Holy Spirit comes to dominate your life and mine, he gives control. And he wants to give control that we aren't now jealous or we aren't now envious of somebody else getting something that we don't have. Let me just t give you some biblical examples. Rachel envied Leah because Rachel was barren and Leah was having children, several children. It was a bad situation. You can look at uh, Genesis chapter 30, verse 1. But one of the most profound ones is in, found in 1 Samuel chapter 18. There's a great military leader of the day, a great king. His name is King Saul. There's a new upstart on the rise, and he is rising to power, and he's just defeated, well, earlier he's defeated Goliath, and his name is David. And there's this jealous and this envy spirit that Saul gets. Matter of fact, he gets captivated by the spirit of envy. And they're out singing, oh, Saul, Saul has killed thousands. But oh, David, he's killed his tens of thousands. And Saul burned with envy, and he pursued him the rest of his life. You know what we would call envy? The green-eyed monster. That's what it says in the Hebrew. I studied it. Not really. That's not what it says. <laughs> but we can identify with that. Can anybody identify with a green-eyed monster of envy? Does anybody get envious? I mean, you know, in, in pastor world, we get envious of somebody else's church. In, in real world, we get envious of their, their car, their possessions, or whatever. We just, it's just uh, the sin nature within all of us that needs to be crucified on a daily, hour-by-hour -hour basis in the body of Christ. And I believe that. And as we're crucified, Christ is exalted, and Christ rises up in us, and we become more for him. So as I just look at that, I go, God, this, so these, and I could go through many other examples, but I want to give you the stages of envy. Get ready to fill in the box. Number one, the entry level. You know, that's really the shallow level of envy. You know, some girl sees another girl, and her hair is just right. Oh, baby, where do you get it highlighted at? How does your hair look so good? And, you know, you, you, you just want to know. Like, Brittany, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, you're, you're a bride about to be, and, you know, you're going to have your hair just perfect. And, you know, and I'm just going to tell you, I'm sitting there looking at Mark, nice-looking guy, but, Mark, you're just not going to be fretting about your hair, what it's going to look like. I just have a suspicion your hair is going to look kind of like it looks right now, you know? <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. 
Now, I'd be a little worried if I walked in and Mark, I had my hair done, Pastor. What do you think? Well, brother, this ain't very good, okay? All right, let's go on. I'm just trying to make this, you know, like, oh, okay, he's, man, he's kind of, he punches in the face, and then we laugh, and he punches. See, a communicator wants to be effective. He will, he will try to figure out how to do that, the power of the Holy Spirit, that I'll punch you, and then we'll laugh, and then we'll think about the truth, and we'll let God's truth run down in our soul. So, God, I want to rejoice. I want to have a healthy spot. But the entry level, let's look at uh, level two, the progressive level. It begins to get unchecked now, and it just begins to grow, and you make a plan of how you're going to gain something. In the Old Testament, the story would be Joseph and his brothers, his many brothers, and they came up with a plan, and because they were envious of the relationship that Joseph had with his dad. So the Bible tells us that they sold him into slavery, and then eventually, you know, he ends up delivering them. Then there's a third level. It's the lethal level. You've just, you've devised a plan now. You begin to act on this plan. You begin to get consumed with this plan, and this plan drives you literally to death, maybe a, a spiritual death or an emotional or relational death. Uh, I was doing some study, and uh, I saw what Socrates said, just one line out of a long quote. He just says, Envy is the filthy slime of the soul. I'd write that down in your notes. I don't know about you, but filthy slime just does not sound very healthy and very attractive. We were at the beach last week, and, and Don and I loved the beach. And, and, and when we were down there, and, and, we, and you know, you're just, man, I got to tell you, everybody says, Pastor, how was the beach? I got to tell you, a bad day at the beach is a good day. You know what I'm saying? But these guys, it looks like a hazardous zone. They're walking around, they got duct tape, and they got stuff all over their shoes and pants and gloves on. And you're like, oh, gee, I want to go out and lay in that. That looks like fun. And then you begin to see little tar, and then you, these little balls, and you see oil, and you see a little slime. And you're like, oh, gee, I can't wait to go get in the water, not. Well, that's the way envy is. It's slime to our soul. Does anybody have a picture now of how gross sin is that Christ dies for it? And so when we're envious, just hear me. I need to hear this message. I'm preaching to myself. I'm not trying to think I got this conquered, man. I don't. You know, you think I torture y'all? I listen to this message. I listen to every message I preach I have since we started the church because I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to be a better preacher, a better communicator. I also get hit with the conviction again. You're saying, oh, man, it was bad the first time. I can't imagine you listened to it twice. Well, you know, you, you just do that. Let me tell you what I did to Mark Bethay the other day. Remember this from a preaching class when I was at Emory. I said, Mark, came back, you know, Monday we were off. Tuesday was a really like a double Monday. Anybody have a double Monday on Tuesday? Was it a big day? Big day. Came in, we knocked out several things. I said, hey, Mark, you want to come down to the cave? I got an exercise. I think it'd be fun. He looked at me. You know, y- y- y'all know, we're getting to know Mark. He's just, you know, he, I just love him. He's probably got all these brain cells working. But anyway, he, was, he looked at me. I said, you want to come to my office? He goes, yeah, what you got? I said, I'm going to go back to the cave. I'm going to watch the service. I can't wait to watch you preach it. I know it's amazing. I said, you want to come back and watch yourself? He went, uh-uh. See ya. <laughs> I don't blame him. When I was at Emory and we had to preach, and, and let me tell you, I went there so long ago, you know, yeah, a long time ago, but they did have videos, okay? And, uh, but I remember they filmed us, and then we, they, they showed our presentation in class. Oh, it gets better. And then all your classmates judge you. And they make comments about your inability or whatever. And the professor, this is his first line. I do not want y'all to be kind to one another. I want you to help us be better preachers. So slander them, brothers. Did it. And if you don't, your grade will be taken off. 
Keith, he spits too much. Duh. <laughs> Keith does this. Keith does that, you know? So I understand. So when Mark didn't take me up, I'm like, I understand, man. I understand. But we want to learn how to do things in a new manner. Let's look at this. So there's entry. There's progressive. There's a lethal level. Let's look at this thing in Mark. Envy is a result of human sin. It's just that human Adamic nature that we sin, and I'm, I'm getting a little late here, so I want you to look at Mark 7, 21 through 23 as a passage that you can begin to look at maybe a little bit later, but write it down, circle it, and say, okay, it's the result of human sin. There's these own evil desires within us, says James chapter 4, verse 2, or verse 1 and 2, and that's why we sin. It's, it's already within us. There's quarrels. Why do so many of you quarrel because of your sin nature, because of what rises up within you? And blackness of envy is despicable, destructive, disgraceful. It just doesn't honor Christ. Let's look at the next one. Envy arises from the good fortune of others. You know, because others, as I said earlier, because others celebrate favor, others celebrate blessings, envy rises up within us. When we're envious, you know, there's something different about envy over other sins. If you're greedy, there seems to be a temporary pleasure benefit to it. Lust, you know the temporary benefit for that. You can go through these sins. But envy, you just never win. Because to envy somebody else or their stuff or whatever, you just, you just man, you feel bad then, and then you get paralyzed by it. You're like, man, i got to get rid of this. Psalm 73.3 says, For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. The psalmist says, because everybody's always asking, why do the wicked folk prosper? I've been asking that question for a lot of years myself. And it's just all part of, of how it happens. And we have to kind of come to accept that. Now, they will be judged, and they will have to be answered, and they will be accountable for that. So I don't want you to think people just get a free pass. It just seems like in this life, have you ever noticed people of faith, they love God, they serve God, they tithe, they're nice to their dog, they're really nice to people, they, they try to do spiritual disciplines, sometimes they just struggle. I'm like, God, and then this one over here, he's a drug lord, they're a drug addict, they're, and they're taking advantage of people, or this person's abusing their wife, or whatever, and they just seem to be getting away with it. Nobody gets away with it. Does anybody realize it this morning? We don't get away with anything. We just seem like, you know, for a season we seem to get away with something. But God's like, no, you're not going to get away with it because justice will come. It might be in the morning. It might be 10 years, but justice will come. And then look at this. Envy arises from the spiritual abilities of others. Just because others uh, progress, others go on forward, they have different abilities. Psalm 106 is a great passage just to look at. But I want you to move through this with me. Where does it come from? Well, if you look at James, the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, he get, begins to address some things. I want you to listen to God's word. James 3, 14 and 15, verse 16. Listen to God's word. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth, or you deny the truth. Don't, James is just, James is so practical. Mark even reminded us of that last weekend. He says, don't, don't hold on to this. Release it. Don't put it in your heart. It, it'll be a cancer to your soul. It will literally destroy relationships, your relationship with Christ. It'll certainly destroy your relationship with others. So there's a selfish emotion here. Um, have you ever noticed, I'll speak for my life because I know my life better than I do yours. 
when you're envious, you can get mean. Just, you're not kind. You're not meek. You're not humble. You just get mean. And I know you're going, man, I never realized God was so clear that he just didn't want us to do that because he wants us to celebrate the goodness of the Lord in our life and the life of others. I get so excited when other people prosper. Not enough. I mean, I'm learning from this message, God, how can I begin to, to move toward that? Because in Mark, the Bible says that evils come from inside. That's, that's what's dirty. Is it outside the dish? No, not really. It's what's in, it's in our hearts. That's where sin comes from. It, you know, I've, I've quoted him a million times, but his name's Vance Habner. He says, what goes down in the well comes up in the bucket. And have you ever noticed when you have a disagreement with your wife or husband and you say something, you go, oh, 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 oh I didn't mean it. Why'd you say it? Well, because I was thinking it. Because <laughs> it was in my heart. And then we can repent. Is anybody grateful for grace today? That grace can cover our sin? Anybody? Eight of us? Really? Wow, I got another message for you. Let me read over here. I got another passage here. I got about lying. Let's be truthful. Okay. So he begins to, to speak to us here. Uh, let me go to this. When we get in a conflict with each other, there's a hole in our heart. There's just a hole when we get envious. And I think the role today is the Holy Spirit wants to come in power. And he wants to invade and he wants to fill and Jesus wants to cleanse that spot, and he wants to fill us with the likeness of his son. And that's attractive to God. And it's an attractive witness. And, and I love how so many of you live for Christ, and more, Christ is becoming more in you. Christ is fashioning you. Christ is forming his life in you. But let's look at this, because there is a conflict that goes on. How to feed the sinful nature. Look at this quickly. Be lazy and do nothing, and not fight temptation. Temptation is there for every one of us. And if we're just simply slothful, lazy, pay no attention to the, to the spiritual temperature of our life or the spiritual dip, disciplines that God wants us to have, we just begin to feed this beast in us. Point B, we deceive others by being a hypocrite. Man, that just tends to zap us spiritually. It's so easy to be a hypocrite. I know. So do you if you're probably being honest. Point C, you choose to fill your life with noise, the noise of this world, and somehow you begin to tune out the voice of the Almighty. You tend to tune out the small voice of God. You know, I'm very grateful for some uh, families that allowed us to go to their beach place. And one thing happens every time Don and I get to go. I get to tune in and hear the voice of God a little clearer than I do on a daily basis. I spend more time in the word i spend a lot of time in prayer i read for pleasure and it's just there's something healing therapeutic about getting away and this summer our people have been away and today can i just tell you y'all got me so happy right now i've preached every sunday in 2010 to the last two weeks i sat right there on the front row for calling levi last weekend we went and worshiped with adam down at christian life at the beach but i'm gonna tell you what I've been revving up this week. I've been coming. We're staying at 1 o'clock. Man, I'm just fired up. No, we're not going to stay. I love to preach, man. I, I, and, and today, man, to see so many here today, and, and it's vacation. I mean, like our church has been on vacation since May. I mean, it's been, it's been brutal. Today, my soul is just filling up spiritually. I was asking God at 6 a.m. today, God, fill this campus with your glory. Hey, and God, I got point B. John, you ever prayed this kind of prayer? Hey, and God, and if you could, could you bring a lot of people today? 
because we've had some really dismal crowds. So God, we'd like to see them show up. And y'all just kept coming in. I'm like, oh God, because you know, we just had so many families move from our church. Let's just go ahead and address it. We've had about 20 families move. And today I come in here and this place is packed. I'm like, yeah, I'm believing God. I think when we take this ground over here, I'm seeing God wants to do more in this fellowship. God's got more for us to do. And the church said, and that's us going out and talking to people and encouraging people in faith and winning the lost and encouraging the ones that are down and out and calling our people that have been gone all summer or whatever. It's like, man, let me tell you, God is doing a new thing. May the wind of the Holy Spirit blow. I'm going to tell you, folks, when we did body life today, that was the most powerful body life we've had in two years today in my soul. How about you, church? Man, you know, if I had a hair on my head, it would have stood up. It was just awesome. And I looked around, and I didn't even have to browbeat you or beg you today. You all just started popping up like popcorn. Matter of fact, I rebuked two people during the prayer. You don't even know it. I went, hey, hey somebody standing. Come here. Pray, 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 pray. It was just awesome. And I think the Father smiled on us today, church, because we broke through. Anybody want to break through? Oh, no, Pastor, I just want to be religious because we just have a religious goodie. Itch my ears for Jesus. Well, let me tell you as clear as I can, you're in the wrong church if you want to get your ears itched, okay? Amen? I just think we ain't got time for that, man. We got, we got to be by God. Here it is, how to grow in the Spirit quickly. Bible study daily, man. We're begging you, get in the Word. Let the Word of God frame your life. This fall, I'm going to tell you right now quickly, there's three classes, three adult classes that will be offered on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Roger's going to be teaching the book of Genesis, continuing that. Very good. I had somebody yesterday tell me how much they enjoyed it, Roger. You'd be encouraged, Roger. Yesterday I had somebody in our church in work day said, I cannot wait for my Sunday morning class. So, Roger, you start studying now, okay? It was good. Dr. John Mark Trent, he's going to be teaching from the New Testament. He's an amazing teacher. He's going to be there. And we've got this young 23-year-old guy. His name's Jeff Bush. He's teaching biblical worship studies. Those are three options. I hope you'll take advantage of them. Small groups are coming. So, man, get in Bible study personally, corporately. Look at point B. I think it says initiate, but it should say intimate prayer. Seek God with all your heart. Let's just be a praying church. How many of you believe that God moves when we pray? i just go ahead and tell you one thing. One of my prayer partners has been praying with me for the last 18 months, two years. God's changed his life. Went up to him today, gave me the surprise of surprises. Said, Pastor, I got married. Rob Glenn, Congratulations. Man, I know you believe God answers prayer. He wants to follow God. Point C, be active in your service to God. Yesterday, guys, you did an amazing job. Your spiritual energy, God received it. It was a blessing. Look at the next one. Choose to meditate on his word. I want to give you some passages. I just want to write them down. Psalm 119, verse 15, verse 20, verse 23, verse 27. If you begin to look at these passages in Holy Scripture, there's a common theme, and here's what it says. Let me understand the teaching of your precepts, and then I will meditate on your wonders. And all through the Psalm 119, the longest Psalm, he begins to talk about the power of meditating. Meditating is not reading. Meditating is not just studying. Meditating is chewing and chewing and reflecting and asking God to do more than he's ever done. The next one is be obedient to what he's taught you. When God teaches you something in the closet, when he teaches you something in the dark, when he gives you light, act on it. I'm convinced this room has so much spiritual knowledge. 
but we don't act like it a lot of times. Let's act on what Christ teaches us. Let's start fresh every morning and tap into the power of God. Right down the passage of Lamentations 3, 22 through 24. Because of your great love, O God, we are not consumed. But your mercies, they are new every morning. Those who belong to Christ. Oh God, do something new in our fellowship. And let me move this quickly. i got to get there. I don't know what I was thinking when I put all these. I don't know if some of you looked at this outline. I, I looked at this outline. It intimidated me. I went, what was the boy thinking? Well, you know, it's amazing. I preach and teach all the time. And I take two weeks from the pulpit. And I just started putting notes and putting notes. And I went, I'm going to get tired. So aren't you glad that the pastor's on a time clock in his own mind? Or, or, or I could have kept you to one just to get through it. But here you go. Six ways. Envy cripples. Get ready to write. It cripples our ability to examine ourselves. When we get envious, we do not look within. We do not reflect. We do not ask the Holy Spirit to shine the light, and we fall off. In other words, we become self-absorbed. Second point, it cripples our security. If we don't know our position in Christ today, I pray that you'd go to the cross. I pray you'd talk to one of our elders. I pray you would establish a relationship with Jesus this morning. I pray you would tether your life to the gospel. You would tether your life to the scriptures, to the truth, to the grace of Christ. That you would not focus on insecurity. That's what envy does. It makes people insecure. Be secure. The Apostle Paul, the book of Philippians, talks about positional truth in Christ, in Christ. And that's what I pray. I just pray y'all get in Christ and you get rooted in Christ and you know who you are in Christ. Fourth point, it cripples our respect for authority when we're envious. We don't tend to respect those that are over us or those that lead us. And we begin to chastise or we slander them and we judge them and, and, and there's no place for that. The fifth point, it cripples our ability to enjoy what we have. Now, I want you to hear that. I, I can preach on this for an hour and I'm not. I'm going to do it quickly. When we're envious, we do not enjoy what I have. I don't enjoy the car that God's provided me. I don't enjoy this pair of shoes or this pants. I don't enjoy this home. I don't enjoy my church. See, if you're envious about something else, you'll never enjoy where you are. Enjoy where you are today. You might not even get to tomorrow. You may have had that thought lately. You might not even get to tomorrow. Did y'all see what happened this week in our news? Willie Cook, councilman, 53, 54 years old, massive heart attack. He was not planning not to be here on the earth to serve this week. We just don't know. So let's celebrate where we are today. And let's look at this quickly. Point six, it cripples our spiritual growth. In 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2, he says, Rid yourselves of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Put those things off. Rid yourself of those things. But put on Christ. Clothe yourself in Christ. And I want you to hear Proverbs 14, 30. A heart at peace gives life to the body. Oh, God, would your peace come today? Would it consume hearts? Would it decimate us? Would it captivate our hearts and our minds? Because envy never delivers anything. It only cripples us. This morning, I wonder, are we satisfied with what we have? Give you a simple exercise. Just thank God. Thank God for blank. Just thank God. I'm giving thanks for you, the Christ Community Faith family right now. But you know what happens? Here's one of the best stories I know. Whether you believe in it or not, the tooth fairy. You get $2 or a dollar. I remember it was a dime or a quarter when I was a kid. Anyway, I'm, I'm old as dirt. But anyway, okay. So you get $2. And you're okay. You go to school, everything's fine. You don't care. I got $2. I didn't do nothing for it. I lost my tooth. And what happens to every kid? They want to go in the bathroom and pull all their teeth out. I remember. I tried. 
But you go to school and your buddy comes up to you and goes, dude. And he snaggletooth as you. He goes, $10. Crud! My $2 ain't, ain't good anymore. I'm like, I want to move into your house. Y'all got an extra bed? Because we're not content. And that's the way envy is, isn't it, church? We just envy others. Let's just rejoice in the fulfillment that Christ gives us and be content in what Christ has. Let's bow our heads. God, you're amazing today. And uh, I pray you would pour out your Holy Spirit right now as you have today in a powerful way. I pray, God, that we would resist comparing ourselves to others, as Corinthians tells us, that we would not dare compare ourselves to each other. I pray that we would recognize our uniqueness, that we are made in the image of Christ, and that Christ has purposes for us. And I pray, God, that we would not feel inferior, but we would walk on with Christ. I pray that we would choose to rejoice in you, Lord, and be thankful. Oh, God, today, give us hearts to respond to the truth of your word. Give us hearts to respond, because envy is a double-edged sword. It causes us to be bitter towards you and toward others if we don't deal with enviness. So today, God, I pray that we would put off envy and we would put on Christ afresh. Right now, friend, it could be that you need to take a simple walk to the cross. We call that coming to Christ. You might call that being born again. I'm going to invite, I think they're already there. Elders are in place. And if you just want to rise up out of your chair and just walk over and go, man, this message was for me. I deal with envy. Would you pray for me to be delivered from envy? They'd love to pray for you. Or you maybe say, I don't know who I am in Christ. I don't know any position, whose position I'm in. They want to help you. Or you might say, I don't even know Christ. I, I want to know him. Or you might say, man, I've drifted. I, I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm sinful. I, I feel like I've missed. Just go over there and say, man, would you pray for me? Would you help me? They're just there to serve. That's, that's what elders do. They serve. They're servant leaders. God, thank you for your amazing grace. Reach down now and touch hearts. Change us, oh God. Give us more of Jesus until we meet again. And the church rejoiced. Amen.